This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning. I invite you to take your Bibles, devices, tablets, whatever, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, thank you very much for, I believe Lori was probably instrumental in having the different... uh, languages sung and hopefully the Africans. Uh, I know that there's many South Africans here uh, enjoyed that and was able to participate. Very nice. All right, Isaiah chapter 7 starting with verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shirajashev, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, be careful. Be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Samaria, Samaria, sorry, the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since, that, since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Let's pray. Father, how, how wayward we are that even when you ask us to give you a sign, we choose not to. We are grateful, Father, that you still have compassion on us and provide a sign yourself that the virgin will conceive and bring forth a son and name him Emmanuel, God with us. 
We are so grateful, Father, that you have come down to earth and dwelt amongst us and shown us yourself through the life of your son here upon earth. And Father, we, your children who bear your name, we ask that you would help us not to bring any reproach upon your name, that you will help us in light of your son's life, that we'll emulate that and try to follow it. Keep us, Father, from, from evil. Keep us, Father, from temptation. And we do ask, Father, that uh, we know your kingdom will come. Pray that your will will be done in our lives, Father, quickly and completely, just as it is done in heaven. Father, we thank you so much for your word, which um, guides us and directs us. We ask for your blessing upon it as Paul brings forth it, brings it forth. Pray that you'll help him in Jesus' name. Amen. This Christmas season, we will be looking at the names of Jesus from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, we'll take one name for each service to reflect on the Son of God who came to save us. Each name will give us, will give us a beautiful picture of our Savior and, and draw us into his unique nature. And I pray, I pray during this, this season it will be a blessing to you. Now, this is the text where we first see the name Emmanuel. It is, is, it's only here in chapter 7 of Isaiah and in chapter 8 of Isaiah. That's it. We know it is, it is more important than it seems because of Matthew's reference to it in, in his gospel account, uh, which, we, which we looked at last year. Let me, let me just explain this passage, because some of you, as, as Wes was reading it, and thank you, Wes, for doing that, uh, some of you may have been thinking, what is going on here? Uh, and that's, that's fair enough. It's, it's, not a, it's not an easy passage. Uh, and so let me get you, give you a context around this first mention of the name Emmanuel. Um, this, this is the account of the prophet Isaiah and and King Ahaz of Judah. Uh, and remember, Israel is now a divided kingdom. Okay? You have up north the kingdom of Israel, or sometimes referred to as Ephraim. And that's because Ephraim was the, the dominant tribe. And, and then you have Judah in the south and, and in, with Ahaz, and they're in eminent danger. They're in eminent danger because the, the powerful Assyrian Empire is expanding toward the Mediterranean, and uh, Judah's okay, but Israel's right in their path, along with Syria. Israel and Syria know this, so they align together, and, and they want Judah down in the south to join their alliance. Uh, there's only one problem. Like I said, Judah's down south. They're not really in the, in the initial path of the Assyrians. And so there's really no advantage for them in joining this alliance. But further, and, and we, you know, we learned this, we learned this uh, in one of our historical books, but further, King Ahaz had secretly made a treaty with the Assyrians. And so he's not going to 
get an alliance against them, right? Syria and Israel plan to force the nation of Judah to, to join them by preparing to, to attack Judah and set someone on the throne there who will agree with their alliance. Now, there, there's plenty wrong with this plan that's not addressed by the prophet Isaiah. When, when the kingdom divided about 200 years ago, Israel cut itself off from, from the temple. Right? We're, we're Jerusalem, where God told the temple, told that the temple should be built. And so they cut themselves off from, from worship, worship to the one true God. And now they are not only divided, but they're planning on attacking their brothers. Word had gotten down to, to Judah and King Ahaz of this northern alliance, and so they're scared. They're scared. Jerusalem, if you've ever been there, it's, it's built on a higher elevation on a hill, which is a good strategic position against enemies. So often when enemy would attack a, a city that's up high on a hill, it would often just encamp around such a city until their water supply dried up and they, became, they would become more vulnerable and then they would attack. Ahaz is, is out checking the water supply when Isaiah, the prophet, comes to meet him. And here's, here's what the Lord tells him to say to him in verse 4 of chapter 7. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. Those words, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint, shows how Ahaz and the people are feeling. They're obviously feeling all of those things. They are obviously extremely worried. Then God calls Israel and Syria, basically two stumps of smoking firewood. In other words, they're nothing to be concerned about. Their plan is not going to stand. They, they will fail to set up their vassal king, the son of Tabeel, on the throne of Jerusalem. The reason is actually very clear, as Isaiah continually refers to Judah as the house of David. Do you, do you see that in the text, if you have your Bible opened? He, he keeps referring it, to it in that way. God made a covenant with David. You see that back in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And, and in that covenant, he promised that his descendant, descendants would sit on his throne. And so the plan of, of Ephraim and Syria is destined to fail as the son of Tabeel has no rightful place on the Davidic throne. Isaiah meets Ahaz as he's checking out the city's water supply. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But his hope is not to be found in, in the provision of water to hold off a siege. 
or in his alliance with the Assyrians that he had secretly made. But his hope is to be in the promises of God. Ahaz and, and all of the nations, and all, and all the nation of Judah that he's ruling, their job is to stand firm, trusting in the Lord. And to help with this, God offers Ahaz a sign of his faithfulness and protection. Verse 11. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. <laughs> this, this is such a gracious response to, to such little faith. And I say little faith because here he is checking his water supply and he, here he is thinking about his, his alliance with the Assyrians, his treaty. And so it's not great faith that he has. And this is how God responds with graciousness to his people. E even though our faith is often weak, God's faithfulness to us is always strong. And, and this is Ahaz's response in the next verse, in verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. At first, this response seems quite godly, doesn't it? Quite pious. It, it, it is reminiscent, at least for me, it's reminiscent of Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness. When, when he says he will not put the Lord to the test. But in Jesus' case, this was Satan's request for a test, not the Lord's, right? So don't be fooled by this. If God is willing to grant a sign, God himself, we should say yes. Yes. I'll make it the biggest sign I can. He even gives that provision. Don't ask for a little one, he says. Ask for a big sign. So why does Ahaz say no? This seems to be him not wanting to trust in the Lord's protection. And not having a sign is his way of avoiding the difficulty of trusting outside of his own understanding. Right here, his faith is all but gone. It's sad. You know, it's just, it's just easier to trust in ourselves than it is to trust in God. You, you know that, don't you? That, that's why we struggle with worry when things around us begin to shake and become uncertain. To trust in the Lord above what we can muster up in our own power is, is difficult. And, and that's because we like control. We like to control the situation. We like to control our life. We like to control the outcome. To trust in God means to relinquish 
our control. It does not mean we sit back and do nothing, but it does mean that we, we don't put our ultimate hope in the things that we can see. This, this response by Ahaz shows that his faith is not just weak, but non-existent. And this is why the Lord is not pleased with this response. And here's how the Lord responds. Verse 13. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Now, God is basically saying here, like, listen up, like Davidic line, right? you know, the one with the promise. It's one thing to stretch the patience of a human being, but now you're exhausting my patience, and that's far worse because my patience is really long. That, that's, what that, that's what God's saying here. Notice, too, that, that Isaiah changes from saying your God to now my God. Did you, did you notice that? Right? Verse, verse 11, ask a sign of the Lord your God. And then he says, you weary my God also. It, there's no faith any longer. Right? He's, he's saying, the God that I serve is no longer the God that you serve. You've abandoned him. So God says that he will give a sign anyway. It's a gracious sign, showing his faithfulness, even though Ahaz and Judah are not. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This and, and the following verses, which, which I won't read, are saying that, that a baby will be born to a young woman who's not married yet, and that baby, when it grows up, will be a sign that God is with them as Syria and Ephraim will be, will be out of the picture in that by the time that child is, is only in his early years. The child will remind them that God is with them even though they have abandoned God. Hence the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the immediate fulfillment here in, in Isaiah in this time. But the ultimate fulfillment is found in the miraculous conception and birth of Jesus mentioned by the angel in Matthew 1.23, which reads, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's, it's interesting that, that God tells Isaiah to bring his son when he goes to meet King Ahaz. And his son's name is 
Shir Jashub, which means, well, it could be translated a couple ways. Commonly, it's a remnant, a remnant shall return, or it could be translated, a remnant shall repent. It could be either of those. I think the latter translation makes more sense to the connection back in Matthew. Before immediate Emmanuel, you know, the, the prophecy of the, the woman and the, the son in Isaiah's time, comes on the scene, before that one comes on the scene, and we never know who this son is in Isaiah, it's a mystery. We have Sheer Jashub, the son of Isaiah, who is there for this pre-birth announcement. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Before the ultimate Emmanuel, Jesus, comes on the scene, we have John the Baptist with his baptism of repentance. The remnant shall repent. And he has this baptism of repent, repentance so that, so that people will be prepared to clearly see Emmanuel who is coming. A remnant will repent and see Jesus clearly and recognize that God is with them. If you have believed in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you are part of that remnant that has repented. T to see Jesus clearly, you, you have to be a person of repentance. Only those who, who see their sin will see their Savior. You know, every, every Sunday I, uh, in, in the welcome, I, I remind us of our sin, for those who sin and need a Savior. I remind us of, of, our, of our failures. I remind us of our neediness. I do that so we can have ready hearts to clearly see Jesus. Because we have trouble seeing Jesus when we don't see our own sin. And we have trouble seeing our own sin because it's part of our nature. It's, it's normal for a human to sin. That doesn't mean it's right. It just, it's just because something is, is normalized right, doesn't necessarily make it right. We need to be reminded of our sin, to turn from our sins so we can see our Savior with his arms wide open. Let, let me remind you of, of three aspects of Emmanuel, God with us. First, sinless Emmanuel. Jesus, who is fully God, is also fully human, except he was born in a miraculous way, without a father. His conception was miraculous, giving him a nature 
a human nature like that of the first human that ever existed. Sinless. It's important that Jesus was a sinless human, born free of sin. That's because his sacrifice on the cross was a substitutionary sacrifice. For all who believe, he gave up his sinless life in exchange for our sinful life. That's, that's why the virgin birth is important. That, that means that God is not only with us, but he's also for us. Those two things put together are such good news for us that that, that will be our focus this Christmas season together. To get the idea of God being with us and for us, think of, a, think of a parent attending a child's event. Maybe it's a sporting event, maybe it's a science fair or some sort of a recital of some kind. It's one thing for that parent to be present, right, with the child. It is even better for that parent to be present with that child and cheering and clapping and encouraging or, or reassuring, right? being for that child. That parent who is both with the child and for the child is the picture of Jesus with us. God is with us and God is for us in Christ Jesus. Too often we have the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, shaking his finger in constant disapproval of our sinful actions. But God is not just with us. He is for us. For us through our victorious times, and through our struggles and defeats. That's sinless Emmanuel. Let me remind you of eternal Emmanuel. Jesus, who is fully human, is also, as I said, fully God. His existence did not begin in the manger. In fact, there was never a time when he didn't exist. God the Father sent God the Son to incarnate. That means he added humanity to his divinity. The result is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Jesus was, Jesus who was and is, Fully God added humanity to his being. This is another wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. To, to, add humili- to add humanity to divinity is not an upgrade. A, a theologian once explained it like this. It's like taking out a brand new top-end luxury car Mine would be a Porsche, by the way, for a test drive, and and then driving it into a muddy field and and doing donuts and and getting it just caked with mud. 
and then taking it back to the dealership and saying that you've added something to the car. Well, that's true, right? You have added something to the car. Dirt. Right? We, we, we are dust. And Jesus, the eternal Son of God, came down, covered and covered himself in dust to be with us and to be for us. That really is something, isn't it? We, we, think about how he did that for us. We, we don't like to go out in the rain for people because we might get wet. And that's temporary. That's temporary. Our God put on dust that we are made of to be with us in order to save us. In order to be a substitute, he had to have humanity. You needed a, a human to be substituted for another human. That's why when we, when we look into the manger, we need to look in with great awe. Finally, I want to consider always Emmanuel. Jesus, who is fully God, who added full humanity for us, will always be Emmanuel, God with us. His humanity is not something that, that he put on and then after the resurrection took it off like a coat. He rose with his human body, but in a glorified state. He allowed his disciples to touch him so that they would, would see and feel that he was, was still human. He ate with them. When he, when he ascended into heaven, the two angels told the disciples that he would return in the same way they saw him go, in that glorified body. The most beautiful thing of his humanity is that he retains his scars from the cross. Right? Scars are a reminder, aren't they? Like if you, if you have a scar on your body and you see it, you're reminded about how it got there. The scars of Jesus are a reminder of his sacrifice for us a reminder of his love for us, a reminder of not only the promise of his coming, but of his staying. Jesus said to his disciples before the ascension, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm God with you always. Can we try to strive to remember that this Christmas? For many of us, Christmas is, is a stressful time. For others, Christmas is, is a difficult time. It's associated with grief, loss. So some find Christmas to not be happy, but sad. 
So, so when we are confronted with the season, it, it can be overwhelming to us unless you focus on Emmanuel, God with us. I'm confident that reflecting on this beautiful name, Emmanuel, in doing that, you will be, you will be warmed and comforted like, like decorations and, and uh, logs in the fire can't do. You will, be, you will be warmed and comforted by the sinless, eternal, always with us, Emmanuel. Always with us, always for us. Let us pray. Father, as, we, as we've considered this, this wonderful name, Emmanuel, May that, may that song that we sing, Emmanuel, not, not be just words. May it spark in us a wonderful reality that, that, Father, you sent your Son, Jesus, for us. To be with us and for us forever. Help us to Help us to hold on to that because Christmas just means so many different things to different people. And whether we are the, the, you know, the, the epitome of Christmas joy or whether we struggle through it for whatever reasons, Lord, would you, would you meet each one in their need during this season that's upon us? Through these wonderful names, may we receive the blessing that's found through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.